when you look at like sales enablement and and marketing enablement and, and just trying to create those processes one which is about creating a very effective onboarding process mm-hmm. a very effective and onboarding i'm talking about both for staff and also for customers yep like being able to take a lead and walk them through to to purchase that buyer journey is very very important um and getting that right is very very important like a lot of the time some companies make it impossible for you to work with them hey y'all I'm Tyler, and this is The Sales Lift, a sales enablement podcast hosted by yours truly, Tyler Lindley. Today is episode two, how to enable an outsourced sales team with David Zeff. David is the CEO and founder of Whistle, an outsourced top of the funnel sales agency located in Israel. We discuss a ton of great ideas, including outsourcing parts of your sales process, why agility is important in sales, how AI and robots can actually help you sell better and some great ideas for better marketing and sales alignment. This is an absolute fire episode and I'm thrilled to bring you the sales lift your business needs right now. Hey, 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 Sales Lift audience, it's Tyler Lindley, your host here. Today I have David Zeff on the uh, podcast. Welcome to the show, David. How you doing? Hey, Tyler. Very good. Thanks. How are you? Hey, doing well, doing well. So David, tell the, our audience a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Yeah, sure. So um, my name's David, as you know. Um, I'm CEO of a company called Whistle. Um, we're a top of the funnel agency. We focus on basically making sure that uh, we deliver qualified leads uh, to your sales teams. Um, we mostly service uh, growing startups, but also large companies that are making pivots into new markets and don't necessarily have the time um, to set that up themselves. So looking for an agency um, with full marketing and sales development capabilities that I can just plug in and address my audience and figure out you know, what's going on and set up those you know, sales qualified uh, leads as well. Wow. Interesting. So it sounds like you, you mentioned outsourced, you know, I think a lot of times people think of this as something in-house uh, that your marketing and top of top of the funnel type sales, uh, that would be something that a company does in-house. Why outsourced? Uh, why do you think, uh, why is that the model that you're, you're setting up with Whistle? Yeah. So this has been cooking for the last um, six months. And I, um, I think now specifically why it's become uh, such a big topic right now, if it hasn't been discussed, it's going to be discussed very, very soon is just factoring in what's happening around the world, right? With um, the pandemic and the, you know, I don't know if we can call it a recession yet or a depression or I don't know, it depends on your definitions. But um, I think that, you know, we've seen massive layoffs of staff, highly qualified staff. We've also seen companies that are, those that are surviving are needing to adapt very, very quickly those that have died have died. And then there's a chunk that are in this kind of hibernation mode and are waiting for the world to get back on its feet. When that happens, you are going to have to, if you've gone into hibernation mode, so let's say you've cut, I don't know, 50% of your staff, you let your whole sales team go, your marketing team, whoever that is, you're going to have to spend a lot of time and money rehiring um, and retraining and onboarding um, staff. And that is not necessarily something that you want to be doing when the light switch goes back on, um, that could be a six month, nine month process ultimately. Right. So I think there's going to be 
be a gap there where agency work and outsourced work is going to explode. Um, it's been a, a model that a lot of companies use for the same kinds of reasons anyway, and that it's like, it's ready to go. And we, you, you guys know what you're doing. You like, we don't have that in-house uh, capability and that in-house um, intelligence. Um, and so we want to outsource it. And maybe, maybe after we outsource it, we'll bring it in-house. Maybe it's only for a period. Um, and some of our clients, they, they only want us to work there. Like I've had a conversation with one that said like, we never, ever want to do our own outbound. Like we only want you to run our outbound and okay. Like, I mean, that's, that's great for us. Um, but I think that it's a dynamic model and I think it's going to suit the world post, uh, this, you know, COVID recession. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting. So it's almost, would you consider whistle then a, a marketing agency, a sales agency, a little bit of both, or, you know, how would you, how would you classify or, uh, kind of where whistle sits in that, in that respect? Yeah. So this is the discussion I keep having with my CMO, which is like, how do you define it? Cause there's, you know, there's marketing agencies and that means your SEO, digital marketing, et cetera. And there's like a sales agency. And isn't that just a consultancy or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then there's these, you know, outbound SDR companies and outsourced, you know, outbound SDR. And basically I think, you know, we classify ourselves as top of the funnel. Mm-hmm. So um, outsource top of the funnel. And what that means is if you go for, let's say, Hey, I want you guys to do everything for me. We're going to deliver the inbound leads. So write all the content, the copy runs, social channels, et cetera, run the SDR program for you, whether it's for inbound or outbound. And then all you need ready in house is the sales team and marketing resources. I guess that can kind of supply that at least with some sort of like, if not collateral, then at least direction that you've maybe got. So there's a lot of startups that's in the startup model. There's, there's a lot of startups that raise money. They've got like a founder, maybe like a, their initial kind of heads or whatever, but need to ramp up and they need to sometimes ramp up more with results than they're going to necessarily need to ramp up with like, you know, head count. Um, and so that's where they're going to go. Okay. Just get us in leads. We just need leads. We need to, we need to close deals. And then once we've closed a certain amount, we're going to expand our team and maybe use you less or use you for something very specific. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think a lot of, you know, you mentioned, you know, a lot of companies doing this in-house, it's, it's a lot of work to do this in-house. It's, it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, does whoever's on board on the, ex- at the executive level, do they know how to set something like that up? Whether that's a marketing department, a marketing strategy, a sales, top of the funnel sales department, a bottom of the funnel sales department. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, Do you think it comes down to maybe those people just not having that domain knowledge? Do you think that's the real opportunity, David? Yeah, I think 100%. I think that um, domain knowledge is a very expensive thing um, when you factor in time and it can only come from time. So, a lot of let's, let's go, like I'll, I'll run a couple different scenarios. So first one, obvious one is a startup. I'm a, I'm a founder. Maybe I'm a product founder. Okay. I've got a great product. I've got myself, my CTO. We've got some initial customers that we've closed with, you know, merit of what we're doing, but I don't know how to scale this up into like a world-class competitive organization. I've never done that. That's a completely different skill set. So I read books and I talk to people. I just don't have it. It's just not me. Uh, so my choice is I have to hire someone. So I hire my VP sales or my CRO or whoever it's going to be. And that's an expensive exercise on its own. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to pick the right person. Yeah. Right. And I'm committing. That's a, usually comes with a commitment and equity and the whole thing. Yep. And then I've got to trust that person to know what they're doing in terms of hiring and training and onboarding everyone that comes after them. 
I think that that's like one scenario where it's a challenge. I think another scenario that we address is we, we for example, dealing with a really, really large um, private equity company, they own and manage for-profit universities. Um, and so for them, they're like, we just need to get leads in ASAP and our team is to capacity and we, we just like, we need to outsource that. And so that's where we come in. And I think that agility is going to be the currency of, I hope it's 2020, but if this doesn't resolve itself in 2020, then 2021, I think that um, the businesses that are quickest to get back into gear when the lights go back on are going to win. And all of those that kind of hit, hit under a rock and said like, Oh, like what's going to happen. We'll wait till like things fix themselves and we'll figure it out. They're going to start six to nine months behind mm-hmm. people that are ready to go. Mm-hmm. Right. I love your uh, line there. Agility is the new currency. Uh, I think that's so true. I think that's why you might start seeing people start outsourcing things that uh, yeah. otherwise they never would because those outsource companies can be more agile. Um, when you think about, you know, agility, how could an agency, whether it's a marketing agency or a sales agency or a hybrid agency, like the one you have, how can an agency, you know, prepare itself to be agile? If that's what companies are essentially buying, what makes uh, a service or product like yours agile? So I think it's ultimately about process and systems. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, sales enablement and, and that whole space, marketing enablement as well, for that matter, is so important. Um, when you understand what you can, what you need to do, let's take, you know, I used to be in the fitness industry. So let's, let's say yeah, I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I know I want to lose 10 kilos or I don't know what that is in pounds. I don't think about it. <laughs> whatever the conversion uh, is there. <laughs> Four pounds or whatever it is, five pounds. So um, now I know like, okay, I've got to restrict my diet and I've got to run around the block, but I don't know exactly how to do it every day. Right. And there, but there is a process. You've got a personal trainer like I once was, and I can say to you, Hey, let's track your calories. Let's track like your activity level. Yep. Um, and now we can adjust all of this. And if you just do these little actions every day, you're going to get the result. You don't have to starve yourself and eat cucumbers <laughs> for a week or whatever. Right. But that's the same analogy, like in, in, with an, with an agency. It's the same kind of concept. Yep. It's basically saying, Hey, I need to get to this point and I'm here. And how, like, how do I bridge the gap? Do I just like, do I just call people or what do I do and how do I do it? So there's a lot of guesswork. And I think that, um, we, I don't know if we ever really had the time for it, but maybe people just kind of went on with that. And that was just the way it's done. But I feel like post this period, that's just going to dramatically change at least for nine months or so. No one's going to have the time for that. So um, when you look at like sales enablement and, and marketing enablement and, and just trying to create those processes, one, which is about creating a very effective onboarding process, a very effective and onboarding I'm talking about both for staff and also for customers, like being able to take a lead and walk them through to, to purchase that buyer journey is very, very important. Um, and getting that right is very, very important. Like a lot of the time, some companies make it impossible for you to work with them. Um, you know, you leave your details for them. They don't get back to you or you do talk to them and they like give you a weird pricing, you know, a proposal or whatever. So I think that, um, that's like the key trade is, is going to be being able to, um, set up that process as much as possible. And then because we live in a very technological age, it's also about setting up the right systems as well that enable that whole buyer journey and, and also that the journey of your internal team as well, being able to understand what's going on. Um, and so 
that's the gap that um, you know I really look to fill uh, with what we do at Whistle, and that's really where we sit is is being able to kind of shine a light on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you decide to take that process internally afterwards and say thanks very much for showing me the way, yep. and we made money together, and like we're on our way, thank you very much. We'll maybe use you for little projects here or there. Or whether you say, great, just keep going. This yep. is like a very easy exchange for me. And I don't have to worry about overhead and office space and in, any of these things that, to be honest, right now, no one necessarily knows what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, great. You yeah. know, that, that fits really well. Yeah, that's interesting. As we think about, you know, sales enablement, it's almost, you know, your model is almost outsourcing a lot of that sales enablement. Because yeah. if you're outsourcing, you know, the marketing and the and the top of the sales funnel, you know, that handoff is kind of happening by you. So, uh, um, which I think that's a tough, it's a tough concept for a lot of folks to understand. Like you said, either, either have this domain expertise or you don't. And that's a part of why I started this podcast is to answer the question of what is sales enablement? I think a lot of people are, are sitting here thinking about, you know, like you either outsourcing this or how do we do it better? How do we do it more efficiently? How do we do it with less headcount? Um, we, you know, we, we talked a lot about AI as well in our, in our, yeah. before the interview started, um, and your time in exceed, um, which I'd love to get into a little bit as well. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you, where do you think automation kind of fits in here? Um, and tell the audience a little bit more about exceed and, and what you did there. Yeah, so for sure. So I was head of sales at exceed for the last year and a half. Um, Automation is really, it, it was specifically with AI, mm-hmm. is really a way of um, reducing as much friction as possible between the buyer and the seller. And I think that when you look at like the definition of you know sales enablement, for me, it's basically a, about getting out of the way of of your team <laughs> and getting out of the way of the buyer. Um, it's it's crazy how many times you'll go to a company's website and not understand what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can visit the website and we'll t- like the jargon that's on there. I actually don't understand what you guys do, mm-hmm. what problem you solve. Why, why am I here? Um, and the journey to getting just like, like, you know, when the, that meme where it's like, take my money, right. It's just like, please, <laughs> right. I'm trying to buy. Um, and then also your team, right? Like having been a salesperson at, at, at a couple of companies, sometimes you feel like guys, just let me sell. Like, why am I doing all of these processes? And why do I have to create this yep. report in Excel where I've got this in the CRM anyway? And you know, why are we having these three hour meetings every week uh, where we, you know, break down everyone's deal. So I think a lot of it is about reducing that, that friction. And, hmm. and I think with regards to AI, there's something very exciting there. Um, I think the, the first thing I'll preface is that AI is not a replacement for human intelligence. And thankfully it's not. And, it, and I don't believe that you'll have general intelligence with AI in our lifetime. Hmm. Uh, if we do, that's like Terminator type stuff. And then we should be very scared. <laughs> we're all in trouble. <laughs> um, we're all in trouble. We're non-existent, right? right? Um, if you create a sentient being with AI intelligence, um, which Elon Musk goes on about all the time. Right. But um, what AI can do though, is it can create very logical conclusions from responses that it gets and can drive, let's say in the context of lead generation and, and, um, not just each generation, but qualification and scheduling. Let's say the MQL to the SQL journey. Yep. That's a great place for AI. Being able to ask qualifying questions and automate the follow-up and handle the back and forth and drive leads through the funnel. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful place that AI can exist. And it can do something that traditional marketing automation has been unable to do, which is handle responses. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're running a 
marketing automation campaign, you'll get an active response. Yes, no, try me later. Yep. You'll get a bunch of passive responses, no longer in the company, out of office, on yep. holiday, sick today, whatever. Someone's got to do something with that. Yep. And a lot of the time, either someone doesn't, okay? Which is like, no one's setting the task. Okay, he's back on the 14th of November. Let me just, you know, set a task on the 15th to get back in touch with him. And also, um, that's one. And then, no one, if they are doing it, it's so time consuming, so expensive to do. And you don't even know if there's a value yet in, in you know, at least commercial value in talking to that lead. So AI is really important there because um, you can automate that. And when you can automate that, you can focus human time on human tasks, which are, you know, valuable mm-hmm. and technology on t- technological things, following up back and forth, like typical questions that you get asked. Like yep. you see this with the rise of chatbots, right? How yep. much does it cost or blah, blah, blah. This is a great place for AI to exist in the sales world. Right. And I think it's a good point too, that AI is not here to take your job um, necessarily. It's to, it's to shift maybe the focus of what you do on, you know, only things that a human can do. Um, like yeah. you said, AI in terms of, Scheduling an initial meeting, gathering information can do it a lot better and a lot more efficient than an SDR can um, yeah. and, and make it actionable. I love your the idea of, of that passive versus active responses. And the that's a drawback to marketing automation because it truly is, is that, you know, is someone actually following up with those leads and, and what yeah. are they doing with them? Because if they're not, then money's being wasted getting that person to the site, getting them to opt in. Because uh, not everybody's going to come in and be elated that they're on your site and, and give you buying signals from day one. Uh, they're going to come and give a lot of vague responses and, and you've got to sift through those and, and still take action on them because there's, there's gold in those, which I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's the frustration of marketing, right? Is that like they generate leads, they're very, very expensive by the time they get to sales because mm-hmm. they've gone through the qualification. It's a lot of human time. And then if sales aren't following up with them or those leads are not communicated past a certain point to drop off, yeah. They're in the bin. Like that's crazy. Yeah. You know, you're just going to send them random pieces of collateral because you thought it was interesting this month. Like yeah. where's the intelligence there? Right. So this is where I think AI is so exciting because you can have personalized conversations with people um, and provide them with personalized content and then drive that back into the sales funnel when they're ready. Yep. What, what else do you feel like, uh, as, as we're thinking about marketing and sales alignment, other than just having a good handoff process, which I think that's kind of where marketing and sales alignment starts, is making yeah. sure that handoff is seamless, making sure it's happening at the right time. There's a clear definition of an MQL versus an SQL, and, and all teams are aligned. Um, but what do you feel like are some of the other keys to, to sales and marketing teams working better together? Cause it does seem like the two are at odds more than they should be. Um, everyone has the same goal. Uh, what can marketing and sales teams do to work better together? So I think it's, um, that responsibility ultimately lies within the people that set up those marketing and sales teams. And I think that, um, too often it's seen as like a, you know, a journey, a straight line where the lead comes in, marketing takes it to this point, you know, let's say sales development takes it to yep. the sales team, sales team takes it to close. Yep. And at each point they're like, well done my job. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And also like speaking as a salesperson, when you close the deal, you're like customer success. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Not my problem ding, ding. anymore. Yep. Like, ding, ding. Like, you know, I always used to say, like, I always say to the customer success managers, I'm so happy. I never have to speak to that person again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you have to speak to them every day. Right. Um, right. And I locked them in for three years. Right. But, um, so that mindset is like ridiculous because 
on a, on a, like the amount of conversations a salesperson has mm-hmm. with a buyer and the amount that they understand about the space, mm. that is amazing domain expertise to feed back to marketing. Yep. Because marketing, uh, you've seen this now, everyone company that exists right now, if you go onto the website is talking about remote, whatever, um, you know, being flexible and agile and whatever. And in the new environment, everyone's addressing it. Why? Because they know the feedback off the, off the floor, but that's happening in the healthy companies that should be happening all the time. Hey, in this industry, they really, really focused on addressing this issue. And it's a huge topical issue. We need marketing collateral and whatever. And the other way around, like as a salesperson, you're always getting asked, can you send me a case study or do you have a document on this and this or, and so being able to have marketing support you in that sales process um, is so critical. Like that sales marketing type, you know, sales marketer type position where you're actually producing very small bits of like collateral that's needed right now by a sales team to close an enterprise deal. That's like, uh, that's amazing. They can produce better, you know, better reports, better looking reports, um, beautiful presentations, Salespeople, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but if I'm one of them, then that's not my specialty. Right. You know? So <laughs> let's kick it back to the team. So yeah. I, I think instead of looking at it as like one sort of straight line, it should be a circular. Mm. You should look at it as like a little circle where it's they're feeding, you know, feeding off each other, and it's mm-hmm. just it's going along yep. the process. Um, that's where you're going to get the best results from both. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too. I totally agree with your point. It's not just marketing and sales. I think it's also sales to account management or customer success uh, because that handoff is just as important. And that relationship almost becomes the most important relationship because they're now inheriting everything that marketing and sales has said or done to them. And, you know, hopefully most of that is, is accurate and factual. Um, but regardless they're inheriting that and they're responsible for, you know, creating a great customer experience at that point. Um, so if the teams aren't aligned, you know, that you really could be setting that team up for failure. Um, you know, post sale, which is the worst time people are already having buyer's remorse and wondering why they bought this and thinking about the return policy policy and, and you don't want to give them any excuse to, but, but to, you know, elate them and, and have them over the moon about, you know, the next steps once they purchase. So. Yeah, for sure. And that's what like, I, I used to joke about it a lot. I'd say like, you know, marketing promises this and yeah. then sales promises this. <laughs> and then they get to like, yeah, you bought the product, you know, customer success is like, ah. you know, it's like that funnel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that is the, you know, we talk about marketing and sales alignment all the time. The real war is between customer success and sales. That yeah. I think is the real breakdown because they're, and, and you know what, even bringing marketing, cause you need to almost, I don't want to use this word wrong, but you need to almost remarket and resell your solution at all times to your customers. Remind them why they bought it, what value they're getting out of it. If you're talking the technology sense, like have the, have the tech speak that value to them all the time. Hey, here's how much time you saved. Here's how much money you've made. You know, whatever it is, that's like, that's so critical because every time you open an app or whatever you're using, you're always thinking about like if it stops working that day or whatever, you know, like, I mean, we're on zoom and they, they've had a huge boost from this whole thing. And one thing I noticed yesterday was I was using someone, I was using a free zoom account. I think it was, and it popped a little pop-up came like, Hey, you're at your 40 minutes. Um, but you know, we were extend giving you another 40 minutes on us. And the button said, love this. Hmm. I was like, yeah, click love this. And I was like, that's such a brilliant, who thought of that? That yeah. was so clever, yeah. you know, like, and I just felt like, oh, yeah, I, I do love Versus- this. 
twenty dollars a month. Want more? This yeah. is twenty dollars a month. Like, Sorry, yeah. you know this conversation has been <laughs> cancelled. Yeah, you're screwed now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is so such a good. Someone way to got frame. together, you know. Yeah. thought about it exactly because that's a good way to frame it too. It's like you're trying to f- capture those moments of the light, regardless of when they're happening. They might be happening at the yeah. top of the funnel, the middle, yeah. the bottom post-sale, like they could be happening at any time. And at the end of the day, the customer is just having that experience. So anything you can do to make, you know, in your Zoom example, anything you can do to think about, oh, Zoom, I didn't know, I didn't know I was at that limit, you know, and I, you know, I love this tool. This tool is really valuable to me. So maybe I do need to think about that. And they could drop in a, maybe an automated campaign, you know, towards you to to start talking about some of those features now. So uh, it's interesting. And that's like, I think so critical right now when, um, everything is so competitive and people are not necessarily loyal. It's like, again, I'm talking the technology software space because yeah. that's, you know, world I know well, like SaaS, you're not going to get the loyal, most loyal customers in, in, you know, let's say sales tech, marketing tech. If it's not working for me, there's a better option, cheaper, faster. I'm like, yeah. I'm there. I'm not staying with you because I liked, you know, I like Jared, my customer success manager. <laughs> right. you know, that's it. I'm out. So you, you've got to think about it all the time. You're just always proving yourself. Well, it's such a competitive space too. I mean, you look at all the thousands and thousands of MarTech solutions, sales tech solutions. There's new CRMs popping up every day. Everyone's right. running a platform play. I mean, it is extremely competitive and only only getting more and more competitive. So you really, like you said, you have to continue to make that sale every day. And I do agree. I love that idea of remarketing, reselling after the sale. Yeah. Because I think it's yeah. something, I think it's, as, I mean, you and I both know we've, we've been in sales. It's our job is over, you know, good yeah. luck. You know, you've inherited whatever yeah. I've done now, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's on us to make sure that client has a good onboarding. That handoff is smooth and make sure that if there's anything we can do to make sure that that customer success, a manager is set up for success and they can, yeah. you know, have the ability to resell and remarket, then we need to be enabling them to do that. Cause it's, uh, it's, it's our responsibility too. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, and I think also that's why I say it's on the, it's on the responsibility of ultimately whoever sets up that team yep. because people do what you pay them to do. Yep. So if I'm paid as sales to close a deal, that's what I care about. I'm not, if I'm not paid on retention and it sucks because if you are paid on retention, then you know, you're can be, you can be you know, penalized for something you can't control. I think that we do need to think of a more wholesome model, right? It's the same with marketing. Like I'm just paid on M- uh, how many MQLs we evaluated on how many MQLs and sales gets and how many conversations do you have between sales and marketing? Like, why did you send me this? Like, this is, Oh, cause he clicked on an ebook. Okay. Maybe just, I don't know. Maybe he was, it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe he would just like the name of the ebook. He didn't read it. He didn't say he wanted to buy anything. Right. I feel like that is a tough question though, that I think a lot of teams are trying to figure out is that, <laughs> perfect commission structure that equally yeah. equally gives everybody a, the piece of the pie that they deserve. It's so hard to try to cut that up. Usually sales gets a, a large lion's share of the pie, even if they had very little to do with the sale. Um, I think it's it's certainly something sales compensation and, and how do you compensate other parts of the buyer's journey and folks that are touching those customers, I think is important. I think it's something that, you know, should be thought about, especially in terms of sales enablement, because that's going to end up, you know, promoting those behaviors. Like you said, people, people do what they get paid to do. So how can you set up your compensation structure to align with that fact? So, yeah, I mean, one of the best, uh, you know, I'm here in Israel and one of the big successes here is the monday.com. Yep. Um, yeah, like in, in the like in the work workplace, uh, automation or whatever, however they phrase themselves. And, um, 
they've got a very interesting kind of sales structure, owner structure, and it's very collaborative. And how they basically work is they will pay as a base salary, probably about 70% OTE. Like, so they pay a very high base. So you join them. And as long as you're on target, you're getting paid. And how it works basically is each person in the team, if, if like, so if I'm on my target, it doesn't really pay me that much to go above my target. I'd rather actually help this guy or hand over that lead to this guy. And it creates this, it's like a, it's a completely different culture. So it, it, in some ways it's great because it's like, Hey, it's a new way of, of doing it. And we're less aggressive with our customers and a more collaborative team. And on the other hand, the like a player, you know, lone wolf style salespeople will not go to a structure like that because I'm used to hitting 110%, 120, 150 and all the perks and all the kickbacks. And, you know, so, um, you have to think about it. It, It's going to be product dependent, industry dependent. And, um, I think you've got to factor in the journey of the buyer and Mm -hmm. then you can get a better sense of, you know, what to do. Yep, exactly. I do think it's important though, that that conversation is had. And like you said, it really does depend on the industry. It depends on the product and the service, the sales cycle, that kind of things. How are the teams set up? However, at the end of the day, anything I think you can do to delight the customer at every stage of the buyer's journey is yeah. a positive and, and creating a more collaborative environment internally, I think is in- extremely important. You know, one thing that's interesting, you talk about collaboration internally, if you're outsourcing, let's say the top of the funnel, like someone would with whistle, how do you keep that sense of collaboration, you know, when you're outsourcing a good chunk of that buyer's yeah. journey, that first part of the buyer's journey, how do you, how do you maintain that um, when you have this handoff from a team that isn't internal, it's outsourced to the internal team? So this is so critical and something I like I thought about a lot um, when we first started. Um, so the first thing we do is like on the agency side, I advise that you handpick your customers. Hmm. So you should not take people just because there's a deal there. You need to be able to handpick for a few reasons. One is that your whole business is going to be driven by referrals and success. Okay, people are only going to pass you on to the next person if they're actually a successful company and they had a successful experience. The other is that the process has to work, right? And so if you're working, like, and I've, you know, I figured it out pretty quickly. Like if you're working with a company and they just don't get like let's say I'm, I'm coming to somebody and we're going to run outbound for them and they've never done outbound and they don't get it. They think it's like, why can't you just, why, why didn't you just get them to a meeting today? Like you called them like, dude, I didn't get through like the first you know 50 times or people don't know what message this is. So they, you're going for the wrong title. You're targeting companies too high. You're shooting too low. So all of this needs to be figured out. Right. So I think as an agency, you have to, one, you pick your customer, but on the other side, you have to, once you do pick them, you have to be willing to consider yourselves as I think, just a extension of that company and that you, the people that you place that work for them, for all intents and purposes are, you know, almost like they're their employees. They learn the product. They, they understand the pains of the buy. We, they share that feedback all the time. You have to have that feedback loop specifically at top of the funnel. I mean, the, the feedback from SDRs is probably the best feedback that could equip marketing and sales that you can get. Because if you're running marketing campaigns and you don't know enough about your target audience, you have no idea whether these ads are going to work or not work or who's clicking on them and why. And it's a very slow and expensive exercise to figure that out. Whereas outbound, 
if I take a guess and I like, I can start to figure out very quickly, I take a list of 500 companies and I target them and get on the phones and I get rejected every time. And they're saying, I'm not the right person. I'm not the right person. And you feed that back. You suddenly adjust all your, your, your whole parameters. So that being able to have that discussion and being able to, you know, really embed yourself with the company, I think is, is what makes an agency really successful. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, the other way around, make sure your company fits your agency. You shouldn't take on everyone. Yep. I've seen, I've seen it, you know, recently, like some agencies just crumble because they were too opportunistic and trying to take on, take on. And then like they have too many losses. So, the, you know, their boxing record isn't looking so good after a while. Yeah. Yep, exactly. No, it's such an important point. Um, you need to choose your clients just as much as they choose you. So uh, yeah. think about the ramifications of those choices. So uh, um, awesome. I want to take us to our lightning round, David. Uh, a few questions that we like to ask everybody to wrap things up. Uh, first question, uh, what book would you recommend to our audience and why? So this is a great book, actually. It's a series of these, but this um, SAS sales method. Okay. Okay, it's by Jacko van der Kuij, K-O-O-I-J, okay. and a couple of others. But um, what I like about it is it's a very, very scientific, it's called Sales as a Science. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very scientific breakdown of like the whole process. Mm. And there's always this debate, art versus science. And, and I'm like, personally, I'm more of like, let's say the artsy kind of creative person. Mm-hmm. But um, there is a method to this, guys. Like there's actually a process to it. it it's the magic is knowing how to do the process, right? And implement it. So I, lo- I love this book. I think it's great. I'll read it really, um, really often. It's what's sitting above, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, above here. So that, yeah, that's definitely one I recommend to people, whether you're a sales leader or, you know, an AE or yeah. um, in sales enablement as well. Awesome. Perfect. We'll link to that book in the show notes as well. If anybody wants to check that out. Uh, what is your favorite home cooked meal made by you or someone in your family? So it's definitely not something made by me. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, my wife makes a killer meat pie and oh. being, uh, being Australian, that's like a huge thing. So when, well, when there's meat pie, then it's, uh, it's, it's very dangerous. You know, I what can, kind of meat does she put in the meat pie? What is oh, this? I don't know. Some magic, you know, magic. some minced meat and some <laughs> minced meat, but a mushroom, I think, a bit oh, of onion. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It just comes out. Great. So yeah. meat pie, I think is, I'm going to lock that one in. <laughs> like it. Uh, what software <laughs> tool or app could you not live without? WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Okay. Why WhatsApp? Yeah. All of like uh, so much communication across that platform. It's so multifunctional <laughs> and specifically like even on a, a personal and professional level, um, the video calls, yep. the SMS capability, sending files. It's a great platform. It's just an amazing uh, like solution. And I just love that they took like basically SMS and upgraded it or Blackberry messenger <laughs> and just upgraded it and created a massive success out of it. Yeah. I think that's hilarious, but um, yeah, they're there. It's a great, great tool. I love awesome. using it. Cool. Uh, if you could go back in time 10 years and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, you know, I'm one of those people that are just kind of really happy for the journey that I've had. Um, yeah, there's plenty of times that I can turn back and kick myself and say like, oh, why didn't you, you know, why did you? Um, I think on the whole, like, uh, you know, just uh, the most important thing for anyone as they kind of evaluate and reevaluate their lives and maybe we're getting too Dr. Phil, but specifically <laughs> now, right? There's a lot of people who are unhappy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that um, the most important thing is to trust yourself and to understand that, you know, change happens and you move on and you learn and you grow. 
Um, and so when you, when you forget to grow from those experiences, that's really when you suffer. So, um, I would tell myself to, you know, keep looking at, you know, the challenges that come up as opportunities for growth. And I think that that's, you know, something that for me personally has helped steer me through yeah. lots of difficult, you know, situations um, in my life. Yeah. I think it's a good message now. Um, as, as it's a great message anytime, but, uh, yeah, I, li- I like that. I like that thought a lot. Yeah. Uh, finally, how can my listeners find you online, David? Uh, easiest way you can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, just look up David Zeff. There's okay. probably not that many of us. Um, <laughs> you can also find me on Instagram. I am David Zeff. Okay. And uh, you can find out more about Whistle at uh, callwhistle.com. C-A-L-L whistle.com. Dot com. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We'll link to that and uh, your social handles uh, in the show notes as well. Um, so everybody, if you want to check those out and learn more about David or get in touch, um, you know, definitely reach out to him and check out the show notes. Uh, so David, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. It was a great chat. I uh, hope to have you on at some point in the future, hear more about uh, the success you're having with Whistle. So. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas, plus action equals results. You've got new ideas, now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.